Son Kearney on to his right foot and he cracks it home. Brilliant finish from Harrison Reed. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. And we are back again to discuss a couple of games, the Fulham versus Everton nil draw, as well as the draw against Burnley 2-2 last night. Here to discuss it all in the same room for once, waving across the top of the keyboard to you. We have Sam. How are we going, Sammy? I'm going really good. It's great to be... This is so... It's already so odd because you're literally just behind the screen that I'm looking at. But we are all here together, and I'm very close to my father, which he's loving. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far because he definitely said you smelled a little bit funny after the beach today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad, how are we going? Yeah, well, you've said it all. <laughs> no, it's, and it's actually also quite warm, and I've got another 35 degrees next to me here, just mm-hmm. sort of radiating. Yep. So uh, comfort levels could be higher. But we uh, we did try to uh, link up three mics and we had a few technical problems. Uh, so we're now sharing a mic and sharing a screen and uh, we're in the same room. It's nice. It's nice to have my boys together. Uh, a few technical problems is an understatement. We tried to start this podcast an hour ago. Um, <laughs> but we're here finally and uh, there's a lot to talk through. Let's crack straight into it with the nil-all draw against Everton in the league. Uh, a crazy game where Fulham had, well, not just Fulham, between Fulham and Everton, there were 46 shots on goal, um, 20-something corners, but a nil-all draw. People who don't love football often look at nil-all draws and go, geez, how could you sit through 90 minutes of a game and neither team scores? But this was one where there was just excitement constantly. If If you look at the stats, there's a shot on goal every two minutes for the entirety of a game, which is just ridiculous. Um, Sammy, your thoughts on this game? Oh, look, I'll be honest. I was only able to catch the highlights just because life gets in the way and I boarded a plane that night. So um, it was, it was. I, I mainly saw it um, uh, posthumously. Is that the right word? Posthumously? Yeah, sure. Why not? No, that's, um, no uh, one dies. Yeah, like, but <laughs> like energy, man. Energy, <laughs> energy. Quite like the energy in this room right now. It's just electric. <laughs> Um, no, but genuinely, genuinely, like it's one of those annoying ones where people say, like, oh, it's one of those football games where if you're a football fan, you can appreciate a nil-all draw. But genuinely, from everything I saw, really, really, really exciting stuff. And yeah, it's one of the rare examples where nil where a nil-all result actually isn't necessarily the worst case scenario. But shame we lost points, not to put a downer on it. Thanks for that. It's nice. I mean, it has to be said, we played. Everton, then we played Burnley last night. We've got Bournemouth coming up. These are games where we should be looking at picking up maximum points. And unfortunately, we're just not getting results at the moment. And, you know, we, we dominated this game. If you look at the stats, Fulham held 70% possession for the entire game. Uh, Everton had to make 37 clearances throughout the game. We had 15 corners, 25 shots on goal. Uh, just it's a dominant performance, but we were just lacking anything in the final third. Uh, the problem was exacerbated by Jimenez limping off at halftime with a suspected hamstring injury. We're not really sure how long he's going to be out for yet. But, Dad, do you feel like losing Jimenez at halftime kind of – we just sort of lost momentum and, you know, we know there's been issues with Muniz and Vinicius up front. Um, do you just feel like that might have been a reason as to why we couldn't score the goal finally? Who knows? I think the only thing I, I, I can – think is that losing Jimenez at halftime, as sad as that was, probably made trying to close uh, another striker an absolute necessity. And so, you know, funny how things work and and, and maybe not a good thing in any way, shape or form, but perhaps it just lit a fire under those who might have been prevaricating. Mm. Sammy? Sorry, I'm 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 still stuck on prevaricating. What does that mean? Vacillating. Like, you're just saying adjectives. What again? What does vacillating mean? Coagulating uh, <laughs> means uh, they were they were just um, kind of looking at their shoes and uh, kind of ignoring the hard questions of of getting a striker. Yeah, like trying to avoid trying to avoid. Um, 
you know, doing what is necessary. Yeah. And not spend the money if they yeah. didn't have to. Sorry, what was the original question? Well, it was quite well, stimulating with all of you. What do you think so. about the game? Okay. Yeah. Oh. No. <laughs> was that a question for me? Uh, <laughs> I told you, I haven't watched it. I've heard all about it. I've, you keep trying to ask me questions. I'm, I'm not going to pretend. I didn't see it. Well, and I, it's, what's interesting about it is that I, I'm, everyone's saying how exciting it was, but I, I haven't found a moment. You don't believe the hype. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sort of thinking I should be watching it. I mean, we've all been very busy, um, but I, I'm... I should be watching it because it was such an exciting game, but I'm, I'm not sold. You talk, you can't talk about it like it's Game of Thrones. Like <laughs> I should be watching it. I've heard it's very good, but I, I haven't. But seen I know, anything. I know we picked up one point only, and it, it can only be described as a frustrating game. Yeah, when you have so many exciting moments, but you can't kick a goal, which is kind of the point. Yeah, but I mean, like, oh. I mean, you could take the Ange Postapoglu <laughs> view, though, of, like, football should be fun, and if it's entertaining, then it serves its purpose. You're, you're thinking very logic points, which you always do, and I think that's valid. But, you know, some, like, a good game is a good game. And that has of worked. course, but that, that it's kind of always only holds true if you're getting enough points to stay in the league that you want to be in. Yeah. Right? Because... Yeah. We, we could be playing really entertaining football and losing every week, having a, a, a really exciting game mm. and entertaining our crowd, but just falling through the floor of every league, and that would not be okay. I don't think the listeners are prepared for, like, how philosophical you and me can, like, no, haphazardly okay. right. get. Jack, next question, please. Well, uh, I mean, there's a couple of big points out of this game. Um the, the two injuries, in fact, Jimenez hobbling off at halftime and Diop as well hobbling off after 75 minutes. Um, saw Muniz come on and Tim Ream come on. We obviously know now that they're both hamstring injuries. Not sure how serious at this stage, but it, it has thrown a spanner in the works, especially with AFCON on at the moment, mm. um, with Iwobi and Bassi out and away, um, with Harry Wilson out with a shoulder injury. We, we do look a little bit light on and, uh, I mean, we'll get on to the game last night against Burnley, but it, it was painfully obvious that we were just missing um, anything up front to really make a difference mm. once Jimenez left especially. Uh, but even while Jimenez was on, he missed that golden chance where the ball bounced. Um, I think it could have come off the keeper, off the bar maybe, uh, lands at his feet about six yards out. It's a bit of a difficult chance to take because there's two defenders and the keeper he has to beat, although you should at least hit the target there, miss that. Um, later in the game, Tosin forces Pickford into a very good save. Um, you know, most keepers would probably let that one go in, um, but Pickford did very well. It's what he does well. And then Mooney's, um, you know, into injury time, I think it was, six yards out, heads the ball straight at Jordan Pickford. It, Half a yard either side of him, and it's probably a goal. Um, it was just one of those days. And on the flip side of that as well, Everton, they they were probably two or three really edgy goal mouth scrambles where Everton should have put the ball in the back of the net um, and didn't. So at the end of the I would have thought we, we probably deserved a win here, but a draw is probably the fair result because I think Everton should have definitely scored once or twice we should have scored once or twice as well, and a two-all draw probably would have been fair. Well, um, I mean, a, a, a loss would have been terrible. A point at this point or at this stage, okay. But to pick up two injuries, you danced over the possible significance of those injuries. I'm saying any hamstring injury mm. is of concern, no matter how serious it appears. Yeah, of course. So ask Adamo Troy. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's the, the big muscle injuries like that are terrible and can actually really sideline you for such a long time, particularly the older you get. And so I'm concerned for Minis. I, I didn't see it. It's not Minis. Uh, yeah, Jimenez. I didn't see it, but that's not a great thing for him at there, all. There was very little in it. He just sort of just grabbed his hammy towards the end of the game and sorry, mm. towards the end of the half and hobbled off he looked looked in a bit of pain when he was hobbling off but sounds bad enough to me it, those things it like didn't look next huge, day come up awful yeah mm. that's the thing with Hammonds. you just never know what how serious the injury actually is until 
someone's taken a proper look at it, you've had a few scans, and then you go, oh, shit, that's completely torn. When you um, when you think about it, um, is a Diops actually quite injury-prone, you know? Oh, yeah. But yeah. I, isn't, that, isn't that why West Ham didn't like him? Like, oh, I, I don't think that was the basis. <laughs> some performance issues they yeah. didn't love. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was his uh, injury profile. But he's actually, even in the... You know, just in the last this 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 season, mm. uh, and and I don't I didn't see the incident in in the Everton game, but that foot injury he got was seemingly really innocuous. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, again, it was very similar to him, and you know, usually with have bad hammy injuries, at least you see a player sprinting and they they grab at their yeah. hammy and really pull up sharp. Both of these hammy injuries weren't that style of injury. Um, it, mm. innocuous, couldn't really see when it happened or how it happened, just know that there's something wrong with the hammy there. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, that's Diop out. And, again, we don't know how long for. And we're probably lucky that Bassey is back after the Bournemouth game. Um, but you're right, Diop has missed so far, um, well, now nine games this season through injury. So mm. considering we it's almost half of the season so far missed. Mm. Um, so it, it is turning into a bit of an issue, especially when you don't have other players around um, to, to cover them because we saw Tim Ream playing against uh, Burnley and he did okay, but I think we're lacking depth centrally in defence for sure. Mm. Um, so, guy, I think we can probably wrap Everton up. We, we just touch on it briefly, but the fact of the matter is I think it is points dropped in that game. I feel 100%. like um, we really should be targeting a team like Everton. And admittedly, their, their league position doesn't fully show their performances this season, but they, they are a team who will be in and around us at the end of the year, even if they didn't get that 10-point deduction. So it does feel like a chance missed. Mm. But but surely they're going to cop another. They're likely to cop another points deduction. Yeah. So they're not really in contention, you know. What, Everton? Yeah. And Forest. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. Oh. They've, they've been. Uh, it's been signalled that they've uh, got yet another FFP problem. Oh, yeah, um, and that would take Everton currently down to eight points, and Forest down to ten points. Which so means, they could be playing out of their skin. They've got no chance. Which means the the bottom three would have eight, ten, and ten points, and we're on twenty five points. So mm -hmm. um, it just shows that we are. Kind of fortunate this season that we're so far ahead of the chasing pack because you know we're playing FFP properly. Well, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. But we we literally genuinely at the moment only seven points out of the drop zone, which is not a huge amount. Mm. Um, let's move on to the Burnley game because this is a team who, quite rightly, in comparison to Everton, are deep in relegation trouble. They've picked up uh, eleven points from twenty-one games before this game, and um, admittedly, Fulham's record at Turf Moor is. Very terrible. Mm. Uh, I don't think we'd won there since 1951. Yeah, they said it in the contrary, didn't they? So mm. it's about 70-odd years since uh, we beat Burnley at Turf Moor. Um, Sammy, we were fortunate enough to watch this game as a family, which is the first time in quite a long time. But walk me through, I guess, going into this game, what your thoughts were and, and did you think this should be a bit of a walkover victory? Well, actually, I didn't think it was going to be a walkover victory. I mean, I, I was saying to you guys before the game actually started, I hate playing Burnley because we always seem to lose against them in a really frustrating way. Um, uh, just a side note as well. I usually just watch the game. Um, just I was saying to, to this before to you guys, I usually watch the game cross-legged sitting in a dark room in my home. So it was very jarring for me to actually watch it with you because I have to contribute to a speaking out loud and being a part of a conversation. It was lovely, though. I was like, you guys actually just, it's like the thoughts in my head were actually just spinning around the room. It was great. The thoughts in your head were sitting next to you. Yeah, it was amazing. Well, it was uh, actually even funnier than that. We we worked it out. Jack uh, told us he was coming over mm. to watch the game with us. And uh, we then realised about 20 minutes before kickoff that we didn't have any beer. And oh, we can't tell that story. There's nothing bad happened. It didn't get weird, but like we just—it's just like a massive segue. To like, well, no, yeah. it was interesting because I'd walked out of the shower and Sam said, "We so," I said, "Well, let's go and get some beer." And uh, Sam said, "We're going like this, right?" And I'm literally sitting in my boxes, and um, so we jumped in the car and we're driving around, and we, for the life of us, could not find a liquor store. Yeah. 
yeah. anywhere, and we're literally texting. Yeah. We, we tried four, five different places, and we're texting uh, to Jack to bring some beer. Very there's, well, there's something that doesn't normally happen on my Saturday night before a Fulham game. Yeah, we were literally in our boxes as well because, again, didn't really care too much. But that's just that's just part of um, how the Berenzi crew roll, apparently. Um, yeah, so the Burnley game. Um, uh, look, I thought it was actually, there's some serious positives there. Um, I love Timothy Castagna at the moment. I think he's such a fantastic addition to the squad. Robinson as well. Um, he's really becoming a serious, serious left back to the point where, um, uh, it's probably the first time I think we're not going to hold on to him, uh, until next. Like I don't, th- I don't think we're going to keep him um, after this transfer window because I think he's actually uh, impressed that much, like enough to get a big signing. Um, uh, it was really, really good to see um, Maniz actually get seriously involved in the game and really, really show a lot of um, chutzpah. And pro- it's probably the most involved I think I've ever seen him in a Fulham game. Not to say that he's been like quiet. But he, I felt that he really felt like a, um, a good second tier striker. But that's kind of that's kind of it, isn't it? It's a second tier striker. That's how he kind of came across. He didn't really feel like the full package. Got a really really good goal. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot of positives um, going on there. But um, uh, yeah, I don't like playing Burnley. I think that was the original question. I thought the first 10 or 15 minutes were atrocious, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I think it was a yeah, lot of yeah, effort, yeah. a lot of hard pressing, and we were making mistakes. It was a literal co- comedy of errors. We mm. were making a lot of mistakes. They were making mistakes. We were turning over possession, left, right, and center. We looked a bit disorganized at mm. the back. We were, when playing out of the back, we were giving the ball away. Tosin got caught. Um, you know, Jack made a comment of, we haven't quite worked out the speed of this pitch because we're under hitting passes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually thought, honestly, I thought that Burnley's effort kind of made them look better than the first 10 or 15 minutes of Newcastle against us. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but still, we were we were not able to capitalise on anything because we were making as many mistakes. Mm. And it was I, I just got to the point of thinking, I just want to get through this 10 or 15 minutes mm. where they're going to drop off and we're going to all settle and we should really push on and dominate the game because we're a much better we're clearly a much better side they oh they, no i'm not having that no clearly a much better side. oh we are we are a oh, much sorry. better we're a much yeah better we're side. a much better yeah. side they, just in terms of quality up up and down the pitch we're a much better side they were making some really terrible technical mistakes mm. of just like completely missing passes and putting the ball out mm. which looked like Sunday league. Mm. Tosin for me was a lackluster last night. Like, like Tosin can sometimes um, be so effective and be a really, really great addition in games. Last night, I was yeah, was not sold on it. It's kind of kind of frustrating, boy, because he's clearly got he's clearly got a lot of talent. Um, And you know, I think against the very, very top opposition, he really lifts his game because he does want to perform on the big stages. Um, when when I th- it feels like when he feels very superior to an opposition, mm. he messes around with it mm. and will get caught on the ball, which is eternally frustrating for me. Yeah, because it's just got that kind of arrogance about it, which doesn't need to be. Um, he he just doesn't dispose of it quickly. He stands mm. around and he looks around, ball at his feet. Oh, and um, well, yeah, uh, it was nearly disastrous. Yeah, I think he's Tosin is notoriously a slow starter in games. He his mistakes often come in the first 10 15 minutes and we saw it he got closed down multiple times and as soon as Burnley stopped pressing hard, I think he actually grew into the game and and had a very good game after that. Um both defensively and offensively and offensively. A few New, sorry Jack, Newcastle was a bit similar, you know. Yeah, he 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 struggled because a little he, bit he, with the press. Terrible mistakes early on, and then he actually had quite a good game. Mm-hmm. He likes to have a bit of space to yeah. to move the ball around in and to push forward and pick out some long passes. And his passing's been pretty good this season as well. But um, 
we we saw a few little errors early on. He got dispossessed a couple of times, made a couple of poor passes, but did settle after that. And I think the big settler was the opening goal, um, a really good corner from Pereira, swung into a dangerous Ooh. area, not something we mm. say often this season, because I think our set pieces have been fairly poor in general. We seem to get a lot of corners and often waste them completely, but this was into a good area. Burnley's marking was terrible. Polina ran to the spot, completely unmarked, um, stood there all by himself and got his head to the ball. A good finish, mm. a glancing header from in front of the post, so um, did well there, but that pretty much set us up for um, a really good little period. And the second goal came very quick afterwards as well. Um, the ball gets cleared from a corner again. Robinson does really well to get his foot to the ball and loft it forward. Poor defending from Burnley to not push forward as a group. Left Muniz on side, and Muniz does very well to lift the ball over the keeper. So, like Muniz does very, very well there, but because um, uh, you know what's happened, you know what happens during the game. You just kind of get a little bit like flummoxed by everything because everything's kind of happening all at once. Um, but like Robinson's clearance of that is actually ridiculous. Literally, just kicks it behind his head. Yeah, and I, just, I mean, I, I think he meant to do broadly what he ended up doing, but yeah. I don't think he meant to pinpoint pick out Mooney's I know. Well, you could call it serendipity. It pretty but much it's a like, hoof. Don't you reckon, Joe? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's not an it's an assist, but it's not really an assist. Yeah. yeah. But he's, it's just adding to the CV of just him being a pretty outstanding player this season. He's clearing the ball and does a very good job. And and the, I mean, it's good by Mooney's to be alert and ready for it. And he does turn very quickly. As soon as he sees that there's a potential opportunity there, he takes it really well. Um, but it's it's poor by Burnley. A decent side would never allow that to happen because mm -hmm. that defensive line would push up in a line as a unit and Muniz would be offside probably because he's, you know, not tracked that quick enough. Uh, in the end, he's played onside by a couple of yards. And But, again, he does really well to take that, um, take that goal, lift it over the keeper. It could have been slightly better, but the keeper does get a hand to it, but it's not enough to actually keep it out. 2-0 um, after 21 minutes. Um, Dad, did you feel from there it was game over? Well, remember our conversation. We were fantasising about what Silver might do at halftime. Mm, yeah. And we were talking about, oh, does Josh King come on here? Do we need to be four goals ahead before mm. Marcus Silver? A conservative three goals ahead. Well, we can bring on Josh King maybe. Yeah, in yeah like okay. Minutes. Or at, at what point does uh, Brozier get a go? Yeah. At what, if, if Mooney scores two before halftime, does Brozier absolutely get a run for the second half? At what point does Marcus Silver go? I don't even. I don't even need to manage this game. Yeah. I can just push on now because we're so far ahead. We can't possibly lose this. Mm. As it turns out, um, we make no further progress after half time, and uh, which which then places Silver in the position of not even be able being able to make a reckless set of changes, as if Marco Silver ever makes reckless uh, changes off the bench. Mm. Um, the window closes for Josh King and to a degree Brozier as well because I guess Moon is um, it's too early at the 50, 60, 70 minute mark to shut up shop. But somehow it has to be said we don't manage this game. I, I actually disagree with that. I just I think we sh I was saying it like during the game and you guys were poo-pooing it. I thought Bro um, Brozier should have been – is it Breyer? Breyer? Brochure, yeah, yeah, uh, brochure, brochure, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, uh, brochure should have been, um, uh, brought on at probably about like the 60 minute mark for me because we kind I feel that we knew if we're being really, really honest with ourselves, we knew what the extent that Muniz was going to contribute to this game. Like, I mean, Wait, I, I, a think, genius he, I think he. Did a really good job. He did do a really good getting job. Getting a goal and did some good things. Yeah. He did do a really good job. But I think we can <clears> honest, <throat> like if we're being honest with ourselves, we knew we weren't going to get um a class performance for the full 90 minutes. So I thought I think I think it would have been safer to actually being um a Breuer on earlier, but we just didn't do that. And no, I I totally understand the case for it. Um, but I just I just think that that was a misinterpretation um, from Marco Silva because what we actually did is we allowed um, Burnley to make some changes to get mm. back into it mm. um, 
and obviously do you, th do you think it's a case of you know you know like the case of Rodak and Leno where whether it's a it, it's a, a an agreed deal that Rodak plays the cup games I don't think it's a agreed deal <laughs> well I it think probably it is probably is it's an agreed deal that you're never getting a first-hand game yeah. un un unless he's injured or, in my opinion, having an absolute stinking run. Mm. Um, but you are getting it at the cup games because you have to play some football. Yeah. Um, does Mooney's actually have anything more to prove? And he, can he really show – he's actually had a lot of opportunities. He has. He's, he's, he's been given plenty of game time, almost by default. He doesn't mm. – he hasn't earned that because Jimenez – Ought to be the first choice striker. Mm. Vinny, I would argue, Vinny actually looks more of a, a more talented player, mm. but he's got head problems. Mm. Mooney's is the younger, but I think we kind of know where he's at. I'm not saying he can't improve over time. I'm not saying he can't become a much better version of himself. But over the next three weeks, he ain't going to become a Premier League, you know, 20-goal-a-year yeah. striker. But, okay. We know what he's got. Well, I feel like we don't necessarily, though, because... Well, that's, he, that's, that's, the, that's my point. Yeah, but, he, okay, look, he was bought as a prospect um, uh, by Silver, so he really is Silver's um, uh, passion project to an extent, and he's playing the long game with him. But I don't. I think that um, Muniz, best case scenario, at this stage, he becomes the rotation player that um, genuinely, I think, in the best case scenario, um, Jimenez was brought in to be. Because Jimenez was ideally brought in to play second fiddle to Mitrovic. And then that whole, that kind of like went up mm -hmm. in the air. So I, I, don't, I don't think Muniz is in a position where he's thinking, um, well, he probably is thinking this is my time, this is my moment, but I don't think he would be um, begrudging. But it kind of, kind of isn't. Extent. That's my point. I'd be interested in your views yeah. on this, Jack. I, I don't think young Munez has anything to prove. Mm. He's actually had quite a lot of opportunity to show what he's got, and he's, his effort is incredible. He look, look at at half time. It was noted that he'd actually run three miles, five k, mm. which is actually quite significant, and that that is a credit to his work rate um, for the number of touches he actually had. So he must be doing a lot right in terms of pressing. You know, while we're we're out of possession, so on and so forth, and and good for him. And then he seizes his opportunity. He actually held up play really well a couple of times, and so I actually think um, he's he's got the nod. Uh, to start because he clearly understands the system and Silver is happy that he knows the system, so he picks him. And we, we talked about that before the game, you know, will Brogia start or will Mooney start? And we all kind of thought, well, Brogia surely is a much better, more talented player, mm. but we, I bet he's going to pick Mooney's because he knows the system. Mm. And Mark is very, very strong on that. But... You know, in my mind, he's done his job. He doesn't have to prove that he can score three goals in a game because we kind of know what he's got. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just you marvel at what goes through a manager's head in terms of the the, the timing of when he's going to drag a player. When, he, when he's got a high-quality guy on the bench, he hasn't actually been on a plane for 12 hours. It, mm. He's come from, from down the road. He comes from down the road. Yeah. You know, he could have taken his electric scooter. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't even need to get a new apartment. <laughs> no, he, he's fit, he's acclimatized, he's ready to go, other, save for the fact that he doesn't know the system and he probably hasn't even trained with us. Mm. But I would argue that a player of uh, an appreciably high level of quality simply on the day and on the pitch makes himself available for the ball mm. and probably does with something better with it when he gets an opportunity. Oh, yeah, totally. Jack, and so I don't know why we wouldn't have wait, brought him on quicker. I want to hear Jack. I want to hear Jack's thoughts on this. Please, well, Jack. no, I think the decision to start Muniz was the right decision. I, I think I saw Brozier come on. He looks a good player, and I've seen him play at Chelsea. I think he's a good player there. But you could just see he just wasn't getting in the right positions for the way we play. And I, mm. think, I, I think he wouldn't have been in those positions that Muniz was in during the game. I, I get it. Moniz is n not a better player than Breuer, I don't think. 
But at the same time, Bray is not, he's not a Benzema who, you know, if we sign someone like that, you put them straight in and they will make something happen because they're so high quality that they do make things happen. Bray, he's not that player. He's a good player. But, but Jack, but Jack, I, I wasn't oh. I wasn't questioning the starting of Mooney's. I think we all agree that it actually and it paid dividends. It absolutely worked. But you're and it proves, bring, on, bring him on early. Yeah, mm. I would have, I would have brought him. But two 0 up at half time. I, again, I, from what I saw, he he came on in the seventy fifth minute or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. In those twenty five minutes that he played or twenty odd minutes that he played, I didn't see enough to think that him coming on at half time would have had him score a goal or two. But I disagree with that, though. I I thought he was actually creating opportunities for himself. Um, No, he wasn't. What opportunities? I saw him getting in space. I saw him finding pockets. Okay, can we talk about what happened? Why why did we let them in? Because we did two things. We failed to score further goals against a weak opposition, Mm. and we let them score two. Why, Why did we let them score two? Jack? Why? Yeah, why did that happen? Well, you want to talk about the goals themselves? No, no, and... I want to know what 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 about our vibe, our dynamic, gave Burnley the in to score Ooh. two goals. We're, we're, we're ahead, well, you know, okay. 45 so, minutes. No, we're well, two it's, goals up. It's, it's, they should nothing, be devastated. There's nothing to do with the dynamic here. You, you're always in a football match, and those players are all professional footballers who've played enough football to know that you can score... Uh, two goals in two minutes easily in any game. So you're never out of a game. Except they, except Burnley, and it was it was actually quoted in the commentary, Burnley, the moment they went even 1-0 down, uh, statistically, Burnley never come back from 1-0 down. Okay, that's mm-hmm. in the Premier League this season where they've been terrible mm-hmm. and they've lost pretty much every game. So it's not that impressive of a stat, really. That's just when a, a, a terrible team in the Premier League... Right concede a goal and they just don't win games. Try like to that. find That's... a non-statistical. Okay, what I'm saying is why we lost. He's okay. spending way no. too much time with me this week. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm just actually curious as to Jack who loves using stats. No, but I'm using stats against him. Shut up. You shut up. Stop talking if you want me to. Um, they, they scored a goal in the 71st minute. We committed too many players forward. We missed a tackle. They counter-attacked. Um, they put in... A, a good cross, which Burnt Leno should never have come for and got a lucky goal because of a mistake from Pereira, who missed a tackle, and a mistake from Leno, who came for a cross he never should have come for. Those two mistakes led to their goal. If we don't make that those mistakes, mm. it's never a goal. At that point, at home, they have the full crowd behind them. We made those subs straight afterwards. We brought on Kenny and Broja a couple of minutes after that. Um, I'd actually say bringing on Kenny Tete mm. kind of killed the game. I think if we had left Castagna at right back and taken off Pereira and brought on Lukic or one of the, um, one of those goals was else. a Kenny error. Yeah, uh, Kenny makes an error there, and he's he's a bit rusty at the moment. Um, yeah, and he's not looking the same player he has been previously before his injury. Yeah, uh, and that's the reason we can see that second goal. Kenny Tete makes a mistake. Um, and it's let's be honest, it's a fortunate second goal. The mm. the striker for Fana knows nothing about that. Oh, the ball yeah, gets yeah. crossed in. Tim Ream misses it again. Rusty. Um, Tim Ream should have cleared. I, and again, if Bassi's playing, Bassi puts that out of play for a corner. Yeah, and we don't concede true. there. Yeah. Instead, Ream misses it. Fafana falls over. It hits him. Hits his hand as well on the way through. Ends up in the back of the net. I don't. I don't think. I, I think you're searching for reasons as to why Burnley got a point out of this game it, it actually just comes down to two simple mistakes by full no, i think that's fair and, and if you look at the statistics what? burnley had a couple of opportunities and they took them both mm. but both times they were fortunate in those opportunities because we made mistakes no fair uh, actually which makes me recall what actually happened there uh, it was actually pretty poor by Pereira. i thought yeah at, actually at the time mm. before the goal even happened i thought oh that's a very lackluster Effort mm. to defend there. He, he sort of really hard-passed effort. To what pe- looks like is going to be quite a tough challenge, yeah. and he pulls out of it. Yeah, he jumped over it. Um, yeah, you're right. So look, I mean, I don't think there's anything underlying there apart from it's a couple of errors, but it's it's happening over and over again. Is that we seem to lose concentration and, and we do make these silly mistakes. And I, I I put this one down to squad depth. I think 
the mistakes we're making can be tracked back to Kenny Tete in this instance, can be tracked back to Deckard over Reed making some silly mistakes early in the game where a different um, a different decision actually leads to us scoring that third goal. Um, I take it back to the fact that Muniz is starting and we don't have that fit, perfect striker up front. Um, it's just there's factors here, but we we just we're not closing out games at the moment, and that's that's a big issue for me because if you, if you look at the games we've drawn or lost, I'm thinking Liverpool, Burnley. Um, off the top of my head, think of the other games where we were up and then we we dropped points. But we could easily have an extra 10 points in the bag by now and be up around a 35-point mark in the top half. Mm -hmm. But as it stands, we're actually still considering relegation. Um, Sam, I'll throw to you first. Do you you think Fulham have a a deep-seated issue with closing out games this season? Uh, Yeah. Um, I think... I, th- I I think this season more so, I mean, a lot more so than last season, but I can't, in in very recent memory, because obviously we had a, a stormer in the championship and we had a m- miraculous run of form last um, season as well. But I feel that this season um, we've really, really struggled to kind of like uh, create a team chemistry. We've had so many issues with... Um, Everything from losing Mitrovic to um, uh, uh, what's the right word, um, carrying Maniz to um, uh, being like the full well, kind of thing. Forget not, we carried Jimenez mm. for a really long time before he's got a goal. Well, that's literally what well, that's literally what I'm saying. Uh, as, oh, did I say Maniz? I meant Jimenez. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, but also as well, um, Reams uh, kind of uh, starting to show. A little bit of um, aging, yeah, and also as well, like I feel like the uh, introduction of Kenny back into the side, it kind of feels a little bit counterintuitive because he's actually playing really well and he's a welcome addition. But that's kind of come at the cost of the cohesion in the midfield that um, uh, Reem and uh, not Reem, um, Reed and Polina had all of last season. Because last season we had a really really consistent team. I feel that, that literally just before um, Iwobi and Bassi went off to AFCON, we kind of figured out what our team was, and mm. then they've mm. gone away. Also as well, just a little side note, Bassi and Iwobi at AFCON, Nigeria crushing it. Mm. So I'm super happy for them. I re- I genuinely think they'll probably win it. Um, uh, Bob, maybe an upset. but um, And so I, I want them to come back with all the strut and swagger in the world. But it's kind of come at the cost of um, a really, really crucial part in the mm. season. It's um, it's it, this has been a really, really awkward season. I actually think Marco Silva's done very, very well considering the circumstances that he's in. I, I think, uh, I, I, I really believe that Breuer will become good, and I think um, starting from next season, um, going through a preseason with whatever side that we have will be so 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 beneficial for us uh we just need to push through these next what like only two three months yeah Mm -hmm. this this has been a very very awkward awkward season for us and and some people might try and write it off as second season inevitability but it Mm. didn't have to be so it it really didn't and Mm. but it's been not only if we're not pushed on in terms of squad creation uh but we've actually had such a lot of injury in difficult areas oh, that was really unsettled our back four mm. um you know there's like you say we've had we've had um the injection of Kearney, but also we still don't really know what our best midfield option is mm. whether we like a Wobi over Pereira uh or you know the, the pairing in, in defensive midfield but anyway back to I, I think Silva's got a role in there as well he, he's just a diff, he's got no depth so he's got he's just playing with such thin such a thin hand of cards um and just when you think things are going okay in a particular area like just when Wilson seems 
to be flourishing mm-hmm. and playing well, he gets an injury. Yeah. And just just when Iwobi is really establishing himself, he and Bassi go off to AFCON. Mm. Not that we didn't know that was all happening, but mm. even, you know, we're down to threadbare, three threadbare strikers and then one's injured. Yeah. Now we've got Brozier in, but we can't really expect anything of him for the next couple of weeks until he begins to understand. He looks he looks like he could be good for us. Mm-hmm. He looks like he looks like he, he and as Jack and I were saying talking last night in the Chelsea game he, he actually he bothered me. Yeah. You know, he looked threatening, looked dangerous. He, he looks like a good player. Mm-hmm. And um so we just hope that he settles in really quickly and gets over his jet lag lag and acclimatization. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah yeah, oh, look, he's, he will be a good player, and it's hard to judge. I think I, I'm just looking at the stats from yesterday's game, and uh, we, we've mentioned it before, the substitutions that Silva makes. He could make them early. He could make different ones. If we look at Brodio made six passes for the game, no shots on goal in the uh, 20 minutes he was on the pitch. Tom Kearney, subbed on in the 74th minute, made one pass for the whole game. Yeah, that's crazy. He had one pass and one cross, and that was all he did for the whole game. So it's kind of you just wonder if maybe Silver gets the subs wrong occasionally, and I think he genuinely does sometimes. Um, but again, he's he's got threadbare options. If you looked at our bench yesterday with Defugeroles, we didn't have a winger, didn't we? Like- no, Defugeroles, Bellatore, Sekularak, and Josh King on the bench. It is it's always going to be tough. Um, you got youngsters who you're trying to rely on to out a game or to, to win a game. It, it's he's in a hard position there. And I, I saw someone on Twitter, could have been last night or this morning, um, talking about you know the 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 mindset behind Fulham this season. And the the main aim was get promoted from the Championship. That's first mm-hmm. season. Second season is survive in the Premier League. Third season is consolidate in the Premier League, and then fourth season is push on. Mm. Um, and it, it really more and more, and the further this season goes on, it really does feel like a consolidating season where we're not spending huge amounts of money, we're not changing it up too much, we're just making sure we do the bare minimum effectively and get over the line, so that next season we can hopefully have a platform to build on. Mm. And, and maybe FFP does come into it where we're making sure we're not spending a lot of money this year so that we do actually have a little bit of a war chest to work with in the summer. Um, there were some comments from Marco Silva saying he wasn't expecting any money to spend in January anyway, and that wasn't the reason he signed a new contract. So maybe there is some promised funds in the summer. Uh, we just have to have to wait and see. Right. That's it. Go on. I think you're probably going to say the exact same thing that I am. It feels very indicative of Khan's wanting to sell at the moment, or at least I think. Is that where you're going? Kind of. I was going to say that what Jack said is 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 you're right, um, but wouldn't you love to do all those things? You know, mm. year one, year two, year three is that kind of three year plan mm. as a manager with an owner all the way behind you and backing you with the resources that you need. So this was this was my thing. That's my thing because what Jack's um, saying, and I don't, I don't think Jack's wrong, but that sounds very um, manager-focused, the manager trajectory. That's the ideal scenario. I don't think the Khans are thinking the exact same way at the moment, which is something that they would never admit or never say. No, I, I, I disagree. I think that's owner thought. That, that's what the owners would think about. They, Marco Silva's not the person who writes out the Fulham Football Club business plan. Yeah, but and if the, you're in a the position, the Khans right. do. Yeah, but if you're in a position, right? Well, where Ali Mack does actually. Well, okay, Ali Mack and the Khans, the, the hierarchy does. Silver mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the business plan. He's given a set amount of funds that he can spend on players. Yeah, and he has to put that team together. But like, so, but this is this is my point though. So, say like, um, your first two years, you're tracking to that absolutely perfectly. It's going well, coming up from like the championship, and then on the third year. Um, your professional wrestling business starts taking off and then all of a sudden you shift your focus a little bit and then that um, streamlined business plan kind of gets a little bit more muddied. I'm going to say um, like, or, like or dislike him, what you can say about Ali Mack is he's a, he's a committed football executive, mm-hmm. right? So he does know, give or take, how these things work. He might not be the best, but he's certainly not. You know, he, he didn't run a dance school before this. Yeah. Um, 
So um, he, 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 one would think he'd be able to come up with a very, very plausible plan, and that would almost certainly be his his trajectory, right? Yeah. And then you've and, and Marcus Silva, you're right, Jack. Marcus Silva fits in with that. He gets given a set of resources, and they cut a deal, and 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 on on we go. And he has to work within that. But regardless of what the Khans might say, even in a boardroom, um, who knows what they're really thinking? And mm. I bet Ali Mack doesn't even know what they're really thinking, yeah. because that would be discussed over a Thanksgiving dinner, mm. um, and certainly not everything is going to be disclosed around a table when you've got father and son in the business. Um, and and the other element is like, absolutely true. You know, they've got the Jags, they've got other business interests, they've got um, their, their wrestling franchise that, God bless them, is actually incredibly successful. It's going through the roof. It wouldn't, it, yeah, and the trajectory of that would have to be um, readdressed on like an annual basis now, just because of like. It's the, like, why, why can't they make, why can't he get another son involved? Let Tony go and play wrestling. Yeah. Clearly, his passion, and God, he's doing brilliantly at it. He's doing really well at it. Yeah. Right? Um, because wouldn't you, wouldn't you kind of, I, I, I just so, want, like a Brentford owner, mm. I want a I want a Brighton type owner mm. who is just really focused on. It's not his principal business, but it's clearly a massive focus. Mm. Me and Dad were actually know? talking about this the other day. It's, I think it's actually really interesting because the Khans would be in a very awkward position because um, they would want to protect their asset as much as possible before um, selling it because they would want to essentially um, maintain uh, their. Uh, you mean like keep the fans on side with great pricing? Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but they would genuinely want to. Um, they wouldn't just want to sell it for parts and just get rid of it and just be like, "No, we're focusing on this one." Course, they would want. Not. They would have a really set price. They would want to genuinely. I know a lot of people disagree with it, but they would want to leave it in relatively good condition so they could say, "Look what we did with this football club. This is a great addition to our CV." which would come at mass frustration for the fans because it's like if you want to get out, just get out and stop dicking around with me. But Jack, but Jack if you look from the outside, look, look just as a sports fan here who watches and follows all football clubs very closely, if you looked at what's happening at Fulham, give or take, there's, there's always in the, in the dying stages of an owner's ownership, mm. There's always a lack of interest and a lack of focus, and people don't really see it initially. They just they just can't. They're just uh, in wonderment as to why mm. certain things aren't being done, and then it kind of gets revealed. But you know, if if you're a businessman and you're trying to actually profit from the sale of a football club, would this be your template as to how to do it? Maybe not my template, but I understand a lot of the decisions. Why would you? spend a hundred million on players mm -hmm. with FFP in place and then think that that's a good asset to hand over to someone. There's no guarantee of those players. The the playing group that Fulham currently have is worth worth quite a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and why spend a lot of money to add to that when there's no given that that will actually add value to the club? Mm, but I'm not talking about that's that's a very for for the size of Fulham Football Club, for the 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 capital value of our roster, for and and everything considered, that hundred million spend a few years ago was an absolute outlier and and it failed. But but so I'm not I'm not expecting them to spend a hundred million, but I am expecting them to give Marco Silva half a chance. And he's playing the awkward game of standing up with the microphone in his nose saying, oh, I don't expect this, I don't expect that. But I can't believe what what is obvious and evident is the man's got ambition and he's passionate. I, and I he know, must be but, frustrated. But he must be that, intensely frustrated. On that, that $100 million, four years later is still hanging over our heads. I, I, mm. I know. And so, and so if you then spent $50 million, let's say, that hangs over the heads of the next owners for two years. And an owner will look at the books and go, well, you're giving me a club that I can't actually invest any money in and um, add value to my to the asset that I'm about to buy. So I think, there is, I think there is a conservative middle ground, though, between those two things, and I don't think the cons are within that middle ground. 
well, the conservative middle ground is cross your fingers and make random signings like Jimenez, who cost us three million pounds or whatever it is, and hope that you and can it was sell five. him five, and hope that you can sell him for twenty <laughs> to turn him into this amazing player. But that, I, who, I don't even who, think who I don't even think they're buying a thirty-five-year-old. I don't even think they bought a five million pound player hoping they turn him into twenty. I think no. they bought a five million pound player hoping he'd score eighteen goals. Yeah, yeah, because he's cheap. Yeah, that that the whole point there is you're not making any outlay because you're not taking the risk on making that outlay, mm-hmm. and and, and it, it does scream future sale to me because mm-hmm. they're being they're, they're pumping ticket prices up to pull as much revenue in the door. They're not spending any money on on incoming players. They're doing everything they can to pull more money in and everything they can to not spend anything. Full stop. Mm-hmm. If you look at the way this Breuer deal is actually structured. It's structured that if we play him enough, we don't pay anything for him. Yeah, and it's a it's a bit of a uh, it's a great deal at the end of the day for us because we we potentially will get a player in for sixteen seventeen games and pay zero dollars zero pounds for him. But it, it again screams that we we could have gone out there and spent twenty mil on a couple of strikers who were floating around, and their clubs may have been convinced. Uh, with enough hard work to actually sell that player, it's, it's, but instead we're looking for these good deals. Instead. That's a good. It is a good deal it, for, what, in our circumstances. It's, it's a great. It's a great, deal. great Look, deal. Economically, it's a good deal, but actually, in practice, in long-term thinking, it's not actually a good deal because basically we've just prolonged the issue that we. No, 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 but, but 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 we're talking managing your, financially though. Managing your way yeah. through financially, strategically, the whole lot is a hodgepodge of many things, mm. and so for where we sit. Uh, for what we need to do to absolutely ironclad ensure our safety, mm. you need you need an assassin to come in, mm. and you know he he needs to give us what uh, ten goals in the remaining games, probably eight eight from the sixteen remaining okay. eight eight uh, ten goals would be amazing. We yep. played twenty two games, so there's sixteen games but left. If you, I reckon if you played him every week from you know the week after the Bournemouth game, let's say he gets half a game and thirty minutes in Bournemouth. Uh, and, and then after that, you pick him. He'll probably get six or seven this season. That would be mm. a good return for someone you pay nothing for oh, to yeah. score six or seven goals. And realistically, those six or seven goals probably pick you up 12 points mm. um, just, job, just by job themselves, done. and that is job done. So job it's a good done. deal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, imagine if you didn't spend any money for two or three years in the Premier League, and it's kind of what Tottenham have done over the last few years. They just refuse to spend any money for a very long time. Um, imagine how good the books look in terms of FFP. And FFP has to be taken seriously now because we're going to see 30 points docked across multiple teams this season. Can't can't fuck around with it, to be mm. pretty blunt. You mm. can't skirt around it and hope for the best, which is what Nottingham Forest are doing, because um, it will just bite you in the ass. It's just not worth it. So. Unless you go well, big. Yeah, that's, unless, that's big. Yeah, really like, unless you big. go so yeah. big like Chelsea yeah, or Chelsea, Man City. Yeah. But, okay, those teams can because they're, they're big six teams. No, not protected. They're big but, six teams with a big – they've got big followings and they've got prowess and they play in Europe. So the, you can attract those players to a Chelsea. You're not going to pull those players to Fulham. And and so if you do – if you want to go big as Fulham, you do what Nottingham Forest have done, but it just fails because they spent – hundreds of millions on players who want to come to Nottingham Forest and they're not good enough and it's it's going to get them relegated this season. Mm. It, it will. They're, they've, they've cocked it up completely because they've taken that risk on FFP and gone, you know what, even if we get a 10-point deduction, we're going to get 50 points this season because we're buying all these players. They've signed, I think it's close to 50 players over the last two seasons. And, Makes sense to me, the way of busting through. Yeah, well, but, look, look. but it doesn't because it doesn't work. No, but and it's it, not but sustainable. But it no, no, does but work. It does, it, it does for City and Chelsea. But it only works for City and Chelsea. It's like Trump logic. It's like if you buy into like 100 um, uh, franchises a year, um, uh, maybe like 80% of them will fail, but the 20% of them that actually do succeed long term doesn't actually work. No, that, that example there is what Forrest are trying to do. Yeah, doesn't no, work it's, what, it's what they're trying it to do. Work it's what they're trying to do. They don't have a big enough this, base. The city yeah. example. But if you're on top and you is, keep spending yeah. big, mm. that works. The city yeah. example is Elon Musk can just buy <laughs> the biggest companies in the world mm. and know that they're successful and they will be successful and you can spend as much money as you want on them and break the rules if you want to. 
but you will definitely get success off the back of it, which then leads to making more Because you're money, already massive. Which mm. leads to making more money, which means you're more you're less likely to actually break FFP rules in the future because you're just going to be making so much money because you're a world-famous club. God, football's dark, isn't Fulham, it? Fulham can't do that <laughs> because we, yeah. we're, too, we're not a big enough club and you see even Leicester couldn't do it. Which is why I hate FFP because it's clearly... It's so... It's bullshit. Well, it's, let's not get stuck into FFP again because yeah. we'll just go around in circles and I've got about 8% battery left. It's nice having um, lightning discourse, though. This is this part's fun. It's like... <laughs> well, that's like a new speed-up edition. But look, guys, <laughs> it, it's, it's a disappointing tool draw against Burnley in a game we really should have closed out. But let's... We've sort of touched on it a little bit when talking about Roger's signing. The transfer window roundup, um, one signing, and it is Breyer. Uh, just keeping it very brief, rated out of 10, the signing of Breyer in terms of what he brings to the club and the actual deal itself. For context and where, like where we are financially, what the, all we've got to do is play him 50% of the remaining games. And we pay nothing. Outstanding deal. Mm. Great deal. And it's, it's 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 a clever deal that's just very very what's the word uh, it just um, opportunistic is the word I'm looking for because obviously you know Chelsea want to give him game time. Um, look, I think I'm at the point where everything is focused and is it, it, from where we are now is just surviving. Um, I've, I've I've already I'm already past squad building because I don't actually have a I have no confidence that the cards are going to fund building out a squad so uh, I'm kind of let's just survive let's be a Premier League team next season let's hopefully get a new owner soon that actually takes us into new pastures you actually segue quite nicely is my point because I actually think it's not a good deal i mean economically yeah like logically speaking yeah but sometimes a logical decision isn't actually the best decision for the club um i i think um like the, i think it's actually really disconcerting um how we've just kind of just put our hands up in the air and just gone they don't care they're not building it they're not um looking towards the future the right now. where we are absolutely and like so and for that reason i can't call it a good deal because it's a it's a band-aid over a much bigger problem and yeah maybe that band-aid is a great solution at that time but it's still a black band-aid over a, a really massive dent in your car um uh, so for me for me at least yeah, we can we can have all the statistics in the world that it's an economically good deal and that sound and yeah it is but I still don't necessarily think that that's that's a but from thing. a Fulham supporters not not from a great club management perspective from a Fulham supporters perspective we just want to stay in the Premier League and actually maintain our position I get with a decent that. squad. To actually hand over to someone else, I get all I get all that, but like I, I feel that we should have That's bought. I, I feel I feel that we should have bought someone. Like, I feel that we should of, have bought someone course. else. But but yeah. you're you're sort of missing the point there. But it, and your band aid analogy is kind of off as well because if you've cut your wrists and you've only got a band aid available because you can't afford an ambulance to take you to a hospital, are you going to turn away the band aid? Yes, of course we're going to turn away the Band-Aid. I'd be like, why are you giving me a Band-Aid when well, I'm bleeding? And then bleed to death. Then you bleed well, to yeah, death. Yeah, but it's not going to save it. Well, it well maybe that's too... It and get you, that, get you but through, that, but that's maybe that's too... Well, like breaking your leg and then putting a cold compressor well, on it. It's, it's too, too, it will, it will it's still too extreme uh, an okay, example. It's too extreme. Yeah, yeah. But, because but I think we're all saying the same thing, really. I think we just have different opinions around that sort of thing. I think we just presented that. I think you're missing the question of do you think it's a good deal and looking at do you think Fulham are managing the club properly. The deal itself, I think, is a very good deal of Fulham managing the club properly and should we be in a position to make big transfers? Yes, and we're not. But they're two separate points. I think the Brozier deal is a good-looking player, although I haven't seen enough of him to make a full judgment. And financially, it's a brilliant deal. So the only issue is we're developing a player um, of, of another club, which we said we would never do. Um, I think that was a Khan comment back in 2021. He said we'd never develop other clubs' players for them. And it's kind of exactly what we're doing now. But if you're doing it for free, apparently it's okay. Mm. So protecting the owner spending money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you cheat, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but look, I, I think, yeah, admittedly, this has been a pretty pretty terrible transfer window, one of the worst, I'd say, 
in recent Fulham history. But across the board, everyone's had similar kind of outcomes. It's been very quiet. I think mm. I saw a stat saying last transfer window there was close to a billion pounds spent. Yeah, it was. At this yeah. transfer window, it's about 10% of that. Yeah. Um, big mm. clubs aren't making signings. Small clubs aren't making signings. It, across the board, I think FFP, this season at least, has really spooked people. And I reckon there's some big accounting positions at football clubs coming up in the summer because... They, they're going to have to get FFP specialists into those clubs to really understand the rules and really know if you are actually close or not. It, it can't mm. be that. Or, or, or better lawyers in, in terms yeah. of how to, how to play and break it, them. It can't be that confusing, but obviously no one is a specialist. And I think if you are a specialist on how FFP works and you can inform a club, um, you know, can we make this deal and still make FFP work? Yes, we can. Then that's a very valuable position at the club. Um, until then, we, everyone just seems too nervous to do anything. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think also transfer prices have been so inflated in the last five years or so. When, Thank you, Saudi. Well, yeah. not uh, before Saudi, you know, Enzo Fernandez going for $100 million last last January, ridiculous prices. And the amount of players who are going for 70-plus nowadays is outrageous. Mm. Um, and... You, well, it, it had to be that we, you do have to spend $50 million to get a world-class player and Fulham would have to splurge 50, 40, 50 million for a decent player. And I think FFP is actually going to adjust that because players' values are probably going to start to take a dive. So so in hindsight, you've you got to be pretty happy that we got 50 mil for Metro. But the, bad, oh, yeah. but, but the yeah, bad no, part has just gone straight into someone's pocket and we're never going to see the light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, we, we were very wide-eyed about that. We were like, finally, we have the money and resources. But I, I, I Why are you spending think, the money and resources? Mm, I New York. Player, yeah. player values are going to take a dive because clubs can't be spending that much money. And, you know... We we say that the cities uh, and the that's Arsenal's what they said about the property market. No, no, no. We yeah. say the cities and the Arsenal's and Liverpool's can be spending all that money, and they can, but they're only going to buy a handful of players, and the players outside of those top six potential signings, they can't. You can't charge fifty, sixty million for them anymore. Do you know what's funny? Me and Dad were actually talking about this last night. Um, I truly, truly, truly believe, and maybe you guys can disagree with me, but I'm I'm allowed to believe in what I believe, and that's fine. But I truly, truly believe that the conversation around like um, player worth has gotten so ridiculous because I honestly think that it's tied. All of these players who are playing in Europe are of such an elite quality that really you can make a serious team out of. Yes, there's be, there'll be better and worse and players with stronger and not as strong mentality. But with the right manager, you can do so much. So it's just so important for me to keep silver. I don't really care that much who we actually sign um, or really how much we spend <laughs> as long as there is a clear thing, the clear idea that's trying to be actualized that is silver's vision that's being financially pursued by the Khans. Mm, no, couldn't agree more. I think. Oh, uh, no, no, we, of course, I think I think we all agree that the, there's a big focus on the, you know, the gold value of high-profile players, but mm. actually, the real gold is having a manager who can actually bring the alchemy mm. together and 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 actually turn a bunch of really good players into a Leicester. Yeah. Well, Richarlison, for example, didn't get um, sold for that much comparatively to what and Postacoglu's done with it. Yeah, yeah. Now he was Postacoglu's doing the same thing, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. I think Richarlison got sold for quite a lot. Yeah, but now he would go for a lot, lot, lot He got more. sold for $60 million. That's That's a lot. I'd, I'd say his market value is not hugely above that. Um, mm. I, I, I agree, though. The, the only issue there is it's been proven really that you can't just buy players to fit into a system and make it work it, it happens occasionally but um we tried it with the numbers back in the day when tony khan was fully in charge and you had to fit you had to tick all the boxes and fit inside the system based on statistics and your passing percentage rates and tackle percentage rates and uh, be the player that, no, that fits in no no but that's a that's a database system which is what you're looking for is someone who fits perfectly into a system and trying to find bargains doing it that way. It, it can work, but it rarely does. Mm. Um, but, look, disappointing transfer window. Hopefully summer's 
going to be very different. Looking forward to that. And, you know, maybe it will be with a new set of owners by then. Um, guys, I've got about 3% battery on this laptop left, so we are definitely going to have to wrap it up. Um, I do want to say thank you, and it's been good podcasting in the same room for once. Um, Even, is, I can't actually see you. Dad, shut up. He's got 3%. He's got 3%. Um, this is our 99th episode, so our next episode will be number 100. Um, so, well, it's fine. I'll just press end stream way before you get to one to 1%. Um, but thank you again, guys, for joining. Um, Sammy, good to see you. Thanks for having me. No long outro. No long outro. Thanks for having me. I should tell you I'm low on battery every week. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> Dad, thanks for joining. I'm low on energy. Does that count? Yeah, might as well. So yeah. that's a battery in a sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you, everyone, for joining in. And as always, come on, you whites.